Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're here today on this fine June morning, June 14th. Here you are. How do you feel? Good. Like a rock? <laughs> you want to be my paper passer outer? Thanks. Well, Walker's handing out the sheets for this morning. Hopefully you can grab a pen and follow along there. And we are going to continue our study on evangelism and how to proclaim the gospel in your relationships in your life. So we are uh, we're going to try to get real practical today. This is going to be the last Sunday that we'll do this before we um, go back to two adult classes. Do you all remember what the two adult Sunday school classes are? One of them's in Romans, good. And the other one is our systematic theology class. Okay, so the uh, Romans class, is it going to be in here, Mark? Sure. It'll be in here. <laughs> Perfect. The uh, class on Romans will be in here next week, and the systematic theology class is going to begin in the coin next week. If it's been a couple of years since you've been in my class, which is the theology class, where I go through the PowerPoint on the screen that has a black background and white font, if it's been a couple of years since you've done that, you should go in there. It'd be good to get refreshed on that, okay? Um, I know the, the pull of Romans is tempting, and it should be, because that'll be a fun study. But for those of you who haven't done an overview of theology for a while, you need to get refreshed on that, okay? And everybody else? encourage you wholeheartedly, go be in the Romans class. It'll be a great time, okay? The audio will be recorded, right? And the audio will be available for both. Yeah, that's a good point. So um, whichever class you can't make it to, uh, you can check it out online afterwards. We'll have the recordings of that, okay? All right. Well, why don't I open us up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. Thank you that we're able to come together and have iron sharpen iron, that we can equip one another for the work of the ministry. We all have the same basic work, and that is to make disciples. You have called each and every believer to uh, go out and teach and to baptize, that we would be instrumental in that process in making disciples. Uh, those from all nations, what an amazing task, one that cannot be accomplished without your sovereign hand and your grace. And so, Lord, we ask that you would cause this time to be very profitable for us, that you would uh, cause us to think about application for later today or tomorrow, that we wouldn't think that this is good information for some rainy day, but that this is information that affects every day of our lives. Lord, give us sweet conversation around your word and uh, cause us to just be encouraged, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first thing I want us to do is to get the gospel right. That's a good place to start in evangelism, right? <laughs> you get that wrong, and what are you doing? Uh, so, who would like to share out loud the gospel message for us? And what did you say last week, Tyler? Was 60 it 60 seconds? 60 seconds or less. Who would like to go first? We're going to do this three times, so who would like to go first? Anna.
Okay. All right, so in Anna's gospel message that you probably weren't able to hear, she mentioned the sinfulness of man. She mentioned that Jesus Christ, God's only Son, is 100% God, 100% man, that He was sacrificed for us. She didn't use the word cross, but that's okay. Uh, He was sacrificed on our behalf, and He rose three days later. There's a missing element. Okay, who wants to go next? <laughs> now that you know you're being judged. <laughs> yeah. Anna was the brave first one. Who's next? Jerry. No pressure. All right. So there's that. Oh, I ran out of room. There's that fifth <laughs> element justification, all who believe. And it's justification by what alone? Faith. Faith. That's extremely important, right? Because, um, you know, Anna, everything you said was accurate all the way up to here. Who can agree with all this? Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, to an extent, um, a lot of groups that we would say uh, they get the gospel wrong, they would agree with four fifths of the gospel uh, as as it's defined here. So this justification by faith aspect is what separates Christianity from every wayward or false religion in the world. That's the thing that separates biblical Christianity from every other movement in the world is justification by faith. Now, we also would define these points differently, but they, other groups could at least agree with the concept of them. One more time, one more, who would like to give us a 60 seconds or less gospel presentation? And Jerry, you might have been at 63 seconds, so we're going to penalize you for that, okay? That'll be reflected in your grade card. Uh, One more. One more brave soul out there today. We're going to do a lot of interaction, so get used to it, all right? (laughs) Andrew. (laughs) Wow. That is harsh, Anna.
Okay. All right. Good. So you got the sinfulness of man. Now, I would add that it's always helpful to talk about how we are personally sinful. Um, I think all three, we've heard man fell. And for a lot of people, that needs to be hammered home. That, that means you fell, right? Whoever you're talking to. Uh, you mentioned that Jesus is the one and only son. Um, that's the Greek word monogenes. And that's the word that's found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten, or if you're using NIV, it says one and only. It doesn't say only begotten in NIV. Uh, because that's a better reflection of that word in most cases. Uh, the cross, the resurrection, justification by faith, and you added a very important element called imputation. That's the theological word for it, where you said, what did you say at the end? We're justified by faith and we are considered... We are considered righteous and holy. Imputation is an incredibly important aspect of the gospel, meaning when you believe and you're justified, not only is the slate clean, but what you have on the slate is Jesus' righteousness. You're considered holy. You're considered righteous. So your sins have been put on Jesus, and Jesus' holiness has been put on you. What an amazing thing. All right. Any thoughts or questions on those elements of the gospel? Okay, all right, good. Well, let's look at a couple of passages real quick. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and then we're also going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Timothy 1, 5, and 1 Peter 3, 15. There you go, ma'am. 1 Timothy 1, 5, 1 Peter 3, 15. I would like... These verses to be in your head as far as our goal in evangelism. That marker is no bueno. 1 Timothy 1.5 and 1 Peter 3.15. Who would read 1 Timothy for us? 1.5. Okay. Go ahead. Whoever. This is uh, the NIV version. The goal, the goal of this uh, command is love, which comes from a pure heart, and God and conscience and a sincere faith. Uh, yep, that's it. What is the goal of our instruction when we instruct others? It needs to be love from a sincere faith and a clear conscience. When you are out evangelizing, when you are out telling someone their need of a Savior and telling that person what God did for their sin, your goal should be love from a clear conscience and a sincere faith. 1 Peter 3.15, who's got that one? Go ahead, Jerry. All right, that first part of that verse is often forgotten. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, or set apart Jesus as the King in your hearts. As you go out to give an answer to anyone who might question you, and you seek to give an answer with gentleness and with respect, first thing you need to do, 
is recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he is the king. You need to sanctify Christ in your heart, it says. Very important. Good. Now, as we think about pitfalls, you've got this little graphic on your sheet. That's supposed to be two ditches. And then, you know, the flat part at the top. Isn't that just like a really cool, advanced graphic that I made on paint last night? (laughs) Uh, There it is. Let's talk about the ditches we want to avoid and what we have in the middle. So you've got sword fighting on the left side, and then you have merely sharing on the other side. Now, um, these are, are pitfalls or ditches because what happens when you fall to one of these, and we're all prone to go to one side or the other, each one of us is attracted to one of these ditches, just like with all the things in life we're supposed to avoid, we like to go toward them. So well, I want to put a little more definition on these than what's on your sheet. I have for sword fighting, it's tense and tedious. And you've got a little box down there, and I'll uh, give you some more terms that you can throw into that box. When you're sword fighting with someone as opposed to proclaiming the gospel, what you're doing is being oftentimes insensitive. Insensitive. And what goes hand in hand with that is unloving. You're typically not looking at the person as a person, but you're trying to win. You're combative. You want to win. It's an argument to win. It's not a soul to be saved, but it's an argument or a debate that you can have victory over. And sword fighting is also, as the name itself implies, aggressive. It's aggressive. So this happens most often when you find out that someone is from a different religious background and they disagree with you based on their religion. And you can get all excited and want to just go toe-to-toe with theology with them and just say, okay, well, explain to me your gospel. And they explain it and they're stumbling through it. And then you just go through and you pick it all apart. And then you walk away and you feel like, I shared the gospel. I did my job. And they felt like losers. Not good. Not good. What, what other things can we put in the box here if you are kind of picking up what I'm putting down here and you know the type of conversation to which I'm referring, what else can go in the box? Steve. Yeah, combative. Yeah, not listening. That's another good one. Yeah, what happens a lot of times is you hear where that person's from. Maybe that person says, I'm a Muslim. And if you've done any study of Islam in your life, you might think, well, I know what you're all about. And Muslims are not a monolith, are they? No one in any religion is a monolith. Uh, And when you think, well, okay, so this person is this set of documents, and I'm going to destroy those documents, and then that person will be crushed and then believe the gospel, you're not considering that person to be an actual human being made in the image of God anymore, but you're looking to destroy some other creed, uh, which is... Not the best way to do evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. Looking to inflict some sort of pain. (laughs) To make them feel like they're three inches tall. Pressure. Pressure. Yes. Another, that's another good word. Putting pressure on that person, not relying on the spirit to do that, but instead looking to apply some carnal pressure. Yes, argumentative, where it's an argument instead of a conversation at that point, which, who likes that, right? 
I do. <laughs> That's, now you know which ditch I'm attracted to, like you didn't know already. <clears throat> All right, well, let's talk about this other ditch. I have merely sharing on, on there, and the two words that I have are soft and shallow. Let me give you some other words for the box. A lot of times this looks like, um, it, uh, too often it's scriptureless, so you could write that down however you want, where it becomes more of a testimony without any scripture, without any word of God, without any true authority from God, which is holy scripture. But it's scriptureless. Often people are scared. This, this ditch has to do with fright, where you're thinking, okay, I've got a lot at stake in this conversation. I could damage this relationship. Something bad could happen. So I'm just going to tiptoe forward a little bit, but not you know, say everything I want to say. So a lot of times it's silent. That's another word you could put down. Silent where you should be speaking. You know, on the sword fighting side, you're speaking where you should be silent. We're talking about not listening. And on this side, you're silent where you should be speaking. Kind of just the inverse there. Merely sharing also involves being prone to postpone the conversation. Because something that's shared, there's no real urgency there, right? It can be shared later. So urgency is lacking with the gospel. And we use this word sharing a lot. We say sharing the gospel. I think I've even used it in this lesson, sharing the gospel, which in and of itself as a phrase isn't necessarily bad. But sharing does have a different feel to it than proclaiming, doesn't it? Doesn't proclaiming mean something different than sharing? Uh, proclaiming is what's in the middle. Um, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. But any other words or any other thoughts on merely sharing? Oh, good. I think, I feel. I feel. Yeah. yeah. Making it an opinion. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If then propositions. Um, so it's theoretical or it's opinion or editorialized or whatever instead of standing on the Word of God. Oh, good. Emotional. Yes. Yes. Steve. And she said, mental state, bad. <laughs> yes. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, she she was kind of impressed. Yeah. Not that I'm impressed, but just that I knew something and, and right. And I could tell she's LDS, and I could tell she's never even heard the scripture. Yeah. Yeah, and for a lot of people like that, it's a big change of pace when they meet someone in whom God has worked a love for the scriptures so much that you've memorized scripture and want to share it and want to tell them about it. So that's good. Any other thoughts or associations with this pitfall? 
on the, the left side, the sword fighting side, I think that we can be drawn to, to showing off to, you know, leaning on church history, leaning on um, theological concepts and words and just letting people think, oh, well, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. But on the other side, the kind of the inverse of that is not defining what you mean. Yeah. Um, like you said, with the, the first four points, lots of people can agree to those first four points until you start defining what well, yes. is Jesus, who is God, what does it mean to sin and fall short. So you can share and you can not define and still not be proclaiming the gospel. And the root of both of those issues is pride. So you've got on the sword fighting side where it's probably pretty obviously prideful to our thinking that someone would want to show off what they know, blah, 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 and uh, impress us, someone else with all their knowledge. Well, that's prideful. That's a prideful reason to do evangelism. But on this side where you stop short, it's also pride. Because why would you stop short? To protect yourself, to protect your own reputation. It's not done out of love for that person. Because love for that person demands that you go all the way through the gospel. Um, so it's pride on both. One is just a little more veiled in humility <laughs> than the other. So, Any other thoughts on this one before we talk about that middle? I also think that in the sharing side, because I have tended towards both actually, um, but on the sharing side, Mm-hmm. So apologetics philosophies. You know, there's a beginning, there has to be a beginner. Yeah. This, that, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but if you're not going to the heart It's delaying the point. Yes, it's delaying the point. Yeah. You're not you're not getting to the heart of what the issue is, which is the gospel. Right. Because there have been five hundred page books written on establishing that a God exists. And then there could be a 500-page response saying, no, there's not a God. And you could just go back and forth and never get to the gospel. Well, let's talk about that middle, gospel proclamation. Two words I give you on there is calm and confident. Let me give you some other words for the box when it comes to gospel proclamation. Gentle but firm. And this is real difficult. It's a balancing act. Because we think, oh, if you're going to be firm, that means you're going to be insistent and insensitive and unloving and all that, well, no, because God calls us to be firm. Don't wiggle on the gospel and be gentle. And don't delay your duty as a Christian to proclaim the gospel, but be gentle. That's 1 Peter 3.15, with gentleness and respect. So the next one I wrote down, loving and insistent. The word insistent, insistent, the word insistent isn't a bad word in and of itself. We often associate it with, being, with giving, putting pressure on somebody. But you can be loving and insistent. And that's tied to this word confident. If you are confident whenever you are proclaiming the gospel to somebody, there is no other option, no other way to heaven. There aren't many roads that lead to heaven, but Jesus is the only way. The gospel of Scripture is the only way. And you have to be insistent on that matter. And be loving while you do it. To look to care for the soul. Scripture full. So that one was scripture less. This one's scripture full. We can just make up these adjectives. You, are, you have your Bible open. 
and you're showing that person something in the Bible. You know how powerful that is when you're telling the gospel to somebody? It's really powerful. Have you ever done it? (laughs) When you have the Bible open and you're showing that person the very words of God, that's on a whole other level than just saying, it says in there somewhere this, that, and the other thing. Another is prayerful. If you're going to be doing gospel proclamation, it's prayerful. So often in the pitfalls, you don't think about prayer. But not just praying for yourself beforehand and praying for the person beforehand, but praying with the person while you're telling the gospel to that person. When the conversation's wrapping up and you have stated what the good news is, and it's time for that conversation to end, just saying, do you mind if I pray with you? And ask God in that person's hearing to give that person eyes to see and a heart to understand. You know how powerful that is? Not as a means of persuasion, but just as being obedient to what God has called us to do, to pray and to pray with people. And a final thing that I've written down too is gospel proclamation speaks to the soul. So when you see that person in front of you, you are beholding someone who is going to experience eternity. That's something to remember. Not just people who go to heaven experience eternity. All people experience eternity. That's a heavy thought. And do you think that would change the way that you talk to that person if that was on the forefront of your mind? It's not just about an argument. It's not about protecting an earthly relationship. It's about an eternal soul. Go ahead. In our study in Acts, we've seen Peter and Paul preaching, and they were pierced to the heart over and over again. That they were speaking and, and preaching to the soul. Yes. Yeah, they weren't thinking, you know, hey, this is a good thing to believe. While you have this life, it'll make your life better. Um, but we're all going to go to the grave, you know, whatever. They were thinking, these people are going to spend eternity somewhere. So that's an important uh, paradigm to think through. Other thoughts on gospel proclamation as we seek to achieve that balanced middle? Jerry. true. Yeah, everything means something else around here. So you got to define sin. You got to define Jesus. You got to define faith. You got to define everything. Yeah, good reminder. Yep, it does. I've experienced that. And what will happen is as you seek to find a balance in the middle, you're going to feel a need for this and a need for this. You're going to feel a need to push a little bit and to say, this is getting too casual. This person doesn't understand that there's a line between us and you kind of got to push that way and maybe, sound, maybe it'll sound abrasive to that person, but as long as your heart's in the right spot, recognize that you need to draw lines. And then there will be times where it's like, okay, this is getting way too tense, way too out of hand, and you've got to be sensitive to that and pull back 
and, and just explain, I love you, you know, and you can start using those I sentences. Maybe not I think or I feel, but heart to heart with that person. And so it's, it's a balance there, and each moment is going to call for a different uh, miles per hour on the, on the accelerator. So, Okay. All right, well, let's do this. Let's get into two groups. We'll just split it down the middle somewhat. You guys can figure it out. You're adults. We'll have one group on this side, one group on this side. And I want you to do two things in this group. First thing I want you to do is come up with, as a group, the gospel in a sentence. The gospel in a sentence. Not a run-on sentence, but a real sentence, okay? (laughs) Not saying you can't use semicolons, but just use them right, okay? The second thing I want you to do is talk amongst yourself about what pitfall you're tempted to, draw, to fall into. And then we're going to do another exercise. So you'll have 15 minutes or so to do those first two things, and then we'll spend the last 15 minutes with a different exercise. All right? Go ahead. Okay. Can I get a spokesperson from each group? To share with the class the it's one sentence. Whichever group wants to go first, whichever sentence, go ahead. Amy. This group's just like got all kinds Amy of volunteers. Amy. Amy's got it. Amy. Amy. Okay, all right. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no cross. What happened to the cross? And you're right. That was punishment. Uh-huh. Okay. So I should clarify the punishment as Death. Or death. Death is more, more important than okay. blood or cross or, I mean, okay. something, something always had to die. Define the punishment. Define punishment? No, I, I Oh, yes. Define Good. Yes. Yeah. This group? <laughs> I would have said with, imputed with his righteousness by faith, just for clarity's sake. But that sounds good. Sounds good. And it opens the door for a conversation of, on imputation, huh? Which you've got to be ready for. What does that mean? And if you don't know what it means, maybe you should take the theology class starting next week. <clears throat> good. Okay. Well, hopefully you guys had a good conversation there. I want to spend the last 25% of this class doing a little bit of role-playing. I would like for the groups to still work together, even though you're not sitting together. Um, one spokesperson from each group for each time, but the group can help, okay? So, say Andy goes first. His group can kind of feed him lines, but I'm going to be a non-Christian, and I'm not going to tell you what type of non-Christian I am. We're just going to, and this might be really, I might really stink at this, just so you know, but uh, I'm going to try to change my worldview and... Um, I'll be walking by the Onion Days booth and stopping by, well, that's our context, Onion Days, okay? Because that's where we have a lot of conversations as a church. And here I am, and I'm, I'm picking something out of the booth. So to get the, all the spotlight off Andy, we'll start with this group over here on the left side. And uh, who's going to be the, the person, the spokesperson for this group for the first, first round? <laughs> first victim, yeah. Travis. 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 I'm not a Christian. And you're sitting at the Onion Days booth. Okay. 
and I'm walking by, and we're going to start a conversation, and you're going to get to the gospel. Okay, so here we go. I'm walking by, and I stop, and I'm looking at the table. Here we go. Moment of truth. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. I go to the Kingdom Hall down, down the road. Boy, you, you just got right to it. You exposed me right from the beginning. <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going. Um, I, my mom and dad uh, had me go in there when I was younger, and um, this is where I've gone my whole life. So how long has your mom and dad been going there? My dad's been going there for 33 years, and my mother was a convert uh, just 10 years ago. Yeah, we call ourselves Jehovah's Witnesses, well, yes. Well, in, if you read the Bible, you see that the name of God is Jehovah, and we are called to be witnesses for Jehovah, and we believe there's only one God, Jehovah, and, and we are those that he has chosen to be witnesses for him in this world. What verse exactly? It, it's all over the Old Testament. It's be an are you sword fighting right now, Travis? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we don't have just one verse. It's all over the Bible. Well, I have just one verse. There's a verse in there that's interesting. Isaiah 43.10, isn't there? That you are my people, my chosen people, who uh, know and understand and believe that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, there will be none after. Isn't that a verse that talks about witnesses? Isn't that one you could use? Yeah, I don't know. I've probably read it before, but it's probably been a while. Let well, me pull up my, J, my JW app. Yeah. Okay. I wish. I wonder if I still have the JW app on my phone because they may have changed that verse. Let me see. <laughs> that may be one that they've changed. I don't think I have that app anymore. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting verse. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but then see, the thing that's interesting is it's claiming God there, isn't it? There's Jehovah there, and you are my witnesses. Mm hmm, yeah. Yeah, I see it. Uh -huh. But interesting that Jesus also is called Savior, so there's no Savior other than Christ, so it seems to me. Well, we believe that Jesus was Jehovah's servant, that he, he did come to earth, that um, there would be salvation. And this actually calls him as Savior, as this Jehovah that you referred to, or that I referred to, actually, that you agreed with in Isaiah 43, 10, that he is the Savior, Jehovah the Savior. Jesus also. It must be one God. Well, they, they work together. And so if, if Jehovah was called his Savior in the Old Testament, like he is, as Jesus came to earth, then as essentially as Jehovah's representative, then he could rightfully be called Savior because they were a part of the same plan that they were on the same page in bringing salvation to the world. That's what I was going to say. Good point. Who, is the, uh, who saves? Well, you can only be saved by Jehovah. And Jehovah is, would you consider Jehovah's God? the only God. Yeah, the only the true God. God. Yeah. Now, There's only one God. It's Jehovah. God. So God is the one that can save sins or can forgive sins? Yes. Yes. So then what are we doing in a situation where Jesus forgives sins? Well, he was given that authority as Jehovah's representative while he was on the earth to do that. That must be that he's God then. 
Well, he was just given that authority for that, that time. If he forgives sins, he must have to be God, though, because you said he has to... Or, or to get his authority from God, which he did. Still can't forgive just like it says Jehovah gave the Son life in himself, Jehovah gave the Son the authority to forgive sin. So we worship him alone, then, for forgiving sins? Worship him alone? We worship Jehovah alone, yes. Can Christ receive worship in any way, since he's I don't know. I'm not sure on that one. What? I got two other roles I want to play, so we got to get to the gospel here, Travis. So we got to say, oh, I was actually on my way to go have lunch. Okay, here we go. Uh huh. Yeah. That is also referred to as Christ. He receives worship. Only God can receive worship. God will only share, will not share his glory with anyone else. Jesus uh, asked for the glory that he had before he already had that glory. He didn't share it with his disciples. <coughs> and that Jesus, that God that you're talking about, is, is came, died, and was buried and resurrected for the sins of those who believe. He's imputed that justice and that righteousness on us. If we'll just to turn and believe in him and him alone as God, as the creator of all things and nothing, he'll be saved from our sins and the wrath that is to come for living in the system that Jehovah is uh, God and Michael the Archangel is Jesus. Let's grab lunch sometime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's give Travis some feedback. What do you think? <laughs> okay. Well, Onion Days, it's a, you know, unique time at Onion Days. Well, when, um, when Jesus was in the house and the man that was crippled was let down, he said, you know, which, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven because the Pharisees said only God can forgive sins. Book and chapter. Show them from the Bible. Yep. You started off with the first two letters were right. No, Mark. Mark was right. Mark was right. First two letters of the chapter was right. Two. Yeah, the only other TW. Yeah, two. Mark two. Mark two. Jesus forgives sins of Mark two. Yep. Go. Is Jehovah God and Jesus is Jehovah's son? Well, we don't want to get into the particulars of the Jehovah's Witness religion at the moment, but uh, they believe that Michael the Archangel became Jesus, and he died on a stake, not on a cross. I'll critique myself, though. That's what I did wrong first was delving into uh, the poking holes in the whole belief system they had there. Right, that was my and did your gospel presentation include the resurrection? I don't know if I heard resurrection in there. Yeah. 
I rushed through it, that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. I had to rush through it at the end when things got ah, weird. Yeah. That's what happened. Okay. I went to now, now, but someone like that who's local, who goes to the Kingdom Hall down the road um, and has the, a, a theological framework that he's already thinking through, like Tyler mentioned at the end, grabbing lunch or something, gets, creating a follow-up appointment. Hey, can we do coffee sometime if that person drinks coffee? Or can, we, um, can I have you over for dinner? Something like that. Very, very good idea. Because there at Onion Days, you can only do so much. Right? Or wherever you might be. Okay, let's go to this group. Who's going to be a volunteer for this group? A brave soul. Joseph, it is. <laughs> okay, you're at the Onion Days booth, and I'm slowing down to look at your stuff. Oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> going okay. How are you? Whoa. <laughs> wow. First time you go on a blind date, let me know how it goes. Um, I'm going on the ground where everybody else goes. Oh, we look around and you can see where everybody goes. If people die, they put them in the ground. And that's, that's the end of everything. Yeah, group, the group can help and feed lines to Joseph here. There's no such thing as a, there's no such thing as that, a soul. Yeah. I mean, we have, the scientific community has done so much in learning about this world there is absolutely no way that there's anything besides what we can see. Time for the sword. Well, certainly the chemicals in our brains can direct us toward feeling something. There's psychosomatic... Uh, results of the chemical compounds in our, in our brains that lets us feel things like what we would call love or what someone would call faith. People get tingly for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> Their hearts go pitter-patter for all sorts of reasons. Okay. Well, not. Absolutely not. Well, well the Bible says that you would be a fool because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I've got, I've got a book that says you're a fool because you're ignoring science. Certainly. Well, we could look at black pepper moths or we could look at the black pepper moth. It's a... <laughs> Well, how, how, how do you define proof? I want a scientific proof that I can examine, you can repeat, and it's absolutely proof that 
Yeah, well, the problem with evolution is that it's history, and so we're unable to put it through the scientific method. Um, and so you can't prove it. So if you're wrong, and how do you accept that Jesus Christ is your Savior? You're going to spend eternity in hell. If I'm wrong, we just die. Who's going to be the most disappointed here? Well, if it's all up to chance, then who cares if it's this or if it's that? Um, if, if the Jehovah's Witnesses are right, then we're both wrong. Um, and so... Well, um, if, the, if the Unitarians are right, then I'll be in heaven. So I'll, I'll go with their if. Oh, now you're playing. I thought you didn't care. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter uh, because we're all just grasping at straws anyway, right? I just have to disagree with you on that one. After. Hold on to your question. I got a lunch meeting. <laughs> a lot of lunch meetings at this Onion Days. Okay, I won't hear the gospel today, I guess. See you later. <laughs> okay, we didn't get to the gospel. What was the gospel? Okay, pretend you're stopping me, Joseph. Stop. Wait, hold on. Okay, what? Whether I die or not, it doesn't hurt to have faith. What are, you, what are we talking about now, Joseph? <laughs> Whether you believe that we go to the grave and the there or not, it doesn't hurt to have faith and ask All right. Okay. Critique jo- Joseph's, um, well, the, this group. Critique the group. Is it a critique or a question? We want to do the critique while it's fresh in our minds. We don't want to get sidetracked. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to it. Critiques of the group. They were appealing to chance. Uh, is that Hawkins Razor? This is better than that kind of thing. Um, we have God's absolute authoritative word. Whether or not somebody recognizes that, we should be speaking from that authoritatively. Whether it's to a Jehovah's Witness, whether it's an atheist, um, they don't have to submit to that for that to be powerful and authoritative. Logan? They were on the defense instead of offense. Uh, okay. Okay. What do you mean by that? Explain that a little further. Well, I think the Bible stands for itself, hmm. and we don't have to fight for it. And I think too often I started doing that. 
that sword thing, and it shuts you down, it shuts me down. And we can't really have a personal, um, you know, dialogue between us because our guards are going up. We're trying to prove the other wrong. And if we don't get down on a personal level with people around us, then we can't really show them what Jesus is doing in my heart or what you believe. Um, you know, I'm, but but there again, it's pressure. When we're under pressure, you know, we... Yep. It is hard. Yes, it uh, is. I mean, for myself, too, I yep. tend to start protecting myself. And, well, what do you think about this, you know? And then guards go up. And mm -hmm. heart, heart rate goes up, everything, yep. Right. Trev? With the evolutionists that you portray, and they're very aggressive, not aggressive, very confident individuals. That's time, I believe, to step right up, get in, not into a face, but be confrontational in that here is truth because they already know truth. They're very confident. You're very confident. If here is truth, just give it to them straight up like that without trying to defend anything. Just That's time to be aggressive. Oh, in my yeah, they already are aware of that. I feel that. God is and in nature. You share it and then you go home and sleep like a baby. Well, we're good feedback. We're out of time. Um, can I pick on you, Joseph, one last time? <laughs> Permission to pick on you. Never say it hurts to have faith. That was the, the phrase you used at the end. It, or it doesn't hurt to have faith, rather. Don't say, well, it doesn't hurt to have faith, meaning, um, well, if you have faith and I'm wrong about everything, then it, no, no harm, no foul, right? Nothing ventured, nothing, nothing gained, nothing lost, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Um, our presentation of the gospel is one from pure confidence that this is true. That if you don't have faith, you will die in your sins. Not, if you don't have faith, you might die in your sins. If you don't have faith, you will die in your sins. And you will face a judge. And you will suffer the, the consequences of those sins. So it's a will, not a might. And if we ever come across like we're saying it's a might then we're saying, yeah, we've, we've really just have faith in our faith. That's all we have faith in. Instead of saying we have faith, meaning we believe in the God who is not seen um, because he is, and he is the justifier of those who come to him in faith. Joe, your question about science. Well, there are laws of thermodynamics, right? So they would appeal to things like the second law that says everything's winding down, like the, our, our universe, our solar system, everything's winding down. And so um, it would depend on what you meant by energy, because you might be referencing something like our immaterial spirit, who we are. When they hear energy, they're thinking of physical atoms that we just can't see that are at work and that they might change, but it never... Um, disappears or gets recreated because matter can neither be created nor destroyed from their view. So d defining energy would be a key part of that conversation. Well, so if we die, what do you mean by that? We're energy. We're not, we don't believe like the Hindus do that we are all energies. Yes, right. There's a, a scientific explanation for that. I'm assuming they would just talk about physical changes as opposed to chemical changes. So, so like the body, 
all the atoms that make up your body are still there when it's decaying in the grave. It just changes forms. Like burning a newspaper, all the atoms are still there. They just change forms. Okay, it changes forms, but that could be in heaven or that could be in hell. So Jesus... We'll resume this conversation later. I'm five minutes past as it is. Mark, did you have a thought? Good. Yeah, so the point of this exercise wasn't to have you all go through this and then feel super duper confident after we're done. Because it's work. <laughs> this is just practice. And sometimes you practice and you miss some shots, you miss more than you make. And sometimes you practice and you're like, man, I wish that was a game. I felt really good. Um, this is just practice. And uh, you need to do more of this with your fellow believers, go through scenarios. How would you answer this or what would you do with this? And you also need to be doing it in the real world. And uh, you're never going to feel like you're an expert. Who feels like an expert right now? Okay, you're never going to feel like one. Okay, so um, don't be discouraged, but be provoked in your thinking on how you share, proclaim, sword fight, all that stuff. Okay? Quick prayer, and then we need to dismiss. So sorry for going late. Uh, God, thank you again so much for this time together. Cause us to be mindful of the conversations we have and to be thanking continually about how we are to represent you as your ambassadors here on this earth. And cause us to encourage one another uh, in this way, that we would keep each other accountable and that we would have conversations about the conversations that we have with the world. Thank you so much for what's ahead of us today. Give us a great time of fellowship, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.